we have so many questions to ask Katie Kissel of um, Steeped Coffee. Um, I asked you before, I mean, what took it so long <laughs> to get this product? Um, and anyway, Katie, you're in Chicago, you said. Um, tell, just describe a little bit what we're talking about when we say steeped coffee. Uh, Peter calls it uh, coffee in a tea bag, but that's probably not very sophisticated. No, it's probably the easiest way to describe the product. So one, just so happy to be here and on the show. Um, but yeah, steeped coffee is essentially coffee in a tea bag. And what we do is we take craft roasted specialty coffee and we marry it with this really innovative brewing method that we've actually patented and it allows you to brew coffee as simply as you brew tea. So it comes in pre-portioned filters that you simply pour hot water over, dunk it to get your ideal amount of strength. So the less time you dunk it, the weaker the coffee is. The more times you dunk, the stronger the coffee is. And then you simply let it steep for a few minutes until it reaches your preferred taste, and then you have a very simple, delicious cup of specialty coffee. Well, you know, I mean, I when your publicist contacted us about this, I said, sounds too good to be true. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for years, the only fast route to coffee was the instant coffee stuff, which is horrible. Yeah, yeah. But now, here we have this problem, is you can't really, because it's proprietary information, explain the trick about all this stuff, can you? Sure. I, we can get a little bit into it. I think it's so interesting because oftentimes in innovation, achieving something so seemingly simple is extremely complex. So the yeah. end result kind of math how hard it was and what a journey it took to get here. But when you think about just some of the things, we had to get really specific with the size of the grinds for the coffee, right? Because what we needed was the optimal water flow in and out of the filter that allowed the water to kind of optimally agitate the fresh grinds to extract that flavor. And so just those little things, I think, just make such a big difference. And the result really is a really good cup of coffee in a very familiar format. And it's, um, it's not instant. It's we source special, you know, it's specialty coffee. It's, um, it's we work with farmers, it's fair trade, it's organic. So we have the really high standards from bean to cup. And then we're focused on precision grinding, um, again, down to the micron to work with our format, and then craft roasting to bring out those notes of flavor. And then we triple nitrate seal uh, each pack, which basically makes it just extremely fresh. So when you open each pack of coffee, it literally smells like it was ground just moments ago. And it all yields just this perfect cup of coffee that you can have, you know, anytime, anywhere without getting out all sorts of gadgets or um, contributing to environmental waste. Everything from our inner filter to also the pack is, is compo completely compostable. So it's yeah. a way to, yeah, it's a way to have single serve coffee without, you know, negatively impacting the planet. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I have to believe it now that I've tasted it, but I still conceptually cannot figure out how it's done and how this, <laughs> I, I told you it even got approval from our coffee snob son. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we, you know, that's so interesting that you say that because first off, our founder is the ultimate coffee snob. So not surprising there. And he spent years developing this. But I think 
what's really interesting is when consumers first try it, and a lot of our like diehard consumers are actually people who are really into specialty coffee, and they have scales, and they have grinders, and so they everybody is a skeptic the first time they try. Oh yeah, coffee. I mean I didn't believe yeah. it at all. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what we hear is constantly is, oh, wow, this is actually really good. So it's definitely one of those things that you have to try to believe it. And we've got a lot of converts for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you mentioned about your founder and uh, developing it. Give us the backstory here. How did this all happen? Sure. So our founder, Josh Wilbur, and he is our CEO as well, is, you know, a coffee snob for sure. And so it happened uh, a, a few years before we founded the company. He was actually visiting his in-laws for Thanksgiving, and he was packing his suitcase full of items in order to make specialty craft coffee. <laughs> so, Half his suitcase was, you know, things he needed for the trip, and the rest of it was his scale and his grinder and all of his equipment. And he thought to himself, you know, there has got to be a better way to make specialty coffee, and you shouldn't have to have a science degree, right, to make yeah. a really good cup. So that's kind of where the idea of Steeped was born, and then through that it was, okay, so how do I make specialty coffee more accessible so everybody can enjoy a really premium cup? How can I make it more sustainable, right? So you're kind of our coffee rituals go unnoticed by future generations. And then also how can it be more ethical? So how can we create a company that also um, uses coffee to, to impact communities at home at a, um, and abroad and, and give back. And those were kind of the founding tenants of this company. And we launched officially in April of 2017, and there's been, you know, no looking back. Great. Now, let me, let me double back with you a little bit because I want, I want to make sure that there's no confusion because you, you, your coffee has very – Conventional names, most mostly West Coast type names. Yeah, and, and yeah. I was I was wondering, is is the coffee that you use in your product really grown in America? And the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, yep. but it it sounds like it. Give give us the names and the people will people will get a sense of my confusion and you can take it from there. Sure. Sure. So we currently have um, five coffees that we offer, um, and we're, we've got the California blend, which is our medium roast. We have the Sunrise blend, which is our light roast. We have the Odyssey blend, which is our dark roast, Breakwater, which is our French roast, and then our Eventide decaf, um, which is a medium dark roast, but a Swiss water process decaf. So um, yep, all the names are California-driven, as we are a California-based company. We're based uh, just outside of Santa Cruz. So you definitely see that kind of California ethos coming to life through some of our product names. Um, but no, we do not source our coffee from the Americas. Um, each roast is a little bit different depending on its origin, but... I would say a lot of our co uh, coffees do come from Latin America, so Guatemala, Peru, those those regions. Now, now what, what did your founder do before he got involved with this coffee company? Sure. Uh, Josh is definitely a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. So he has been involved in just a number of, of startups across uh, – across the years. And so this company is really a culmination of all of the experiences he's had within the startup world. Um, but then bringing, marrying that startup experience with, with really his passion for coffee and, and for giving back. 
Now, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, especially it seems increasingly these days, are are interested in iced coffee, room temperature, or yeah. even cooler. And 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 you you deal with that issue, but does it does does it work? It's, it seems like you, you you need the heat in the water in order to leach the coffee out of the container. Actually, that's the amazing thing about our coffee is it can be used for both single serve um, hot brew, um, as is probably the most popular currently. But we also you can do cold brew with our single serve cold brew with our coffee. And you do not need hot water. You can pour just eight ounces of filtered water um, per steep bag. And then you just cover and refrigerate uh, for 12 to 24 hours. And you've got a single-serve cold brew, which I know um, is such a differentiator kind of in the single-serve space. You don't find many, um, you know, certainly with pods and machines, that's hot coffee. So to be able to offer consumers a single-serve kind of cold brew is, is a big differentiator for us versus um, other players in the single-serve space. But you, but you better not be in a hurry for for your cold coffee. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it take, it takes a little while, right? Yeah, it's definitely um, the night before. If I want cold brew, it's just on my kind of like nightly activity list, you know, while I'm getting ready for bed, just pop that in the refrigerator, and then it's ready to go the next morning. Do you remember, Robert, when we lived in Australia, I, I fell in love with, what did they call it? It was a, it, I ordered coffee someplace, and it was, I was, oh, it was iced coffee. And I ordered it, and it was absolutely fabulous. And then mm -hmm. I come to realize that it was like almost all sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, 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 might, that might have had something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> But what the, the, was New Guinea New Guinea gold? New Guinea gold, yeah, New Guinea gold. Do you know about that, Katie? I know. I don't, although it oh, sounds check out New Guinea gold. You, I mean, <laughs> okay. you, I mean, it really, I, it's so addictive. So why? <laughs> even after we moved back to the states, I had people sending it to me from Australia. <laughs> Just to orient you pro properly, Kate, right? Imagine, picture in your mind the continent of Australia, and then there's a fairly large island immediately to the north, and that's New Guinea. Okay. And uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily where New Guinea gold is manufactured. It might, it might be being made in Australia, for all I know. Nothing <laughs> is done in, in New Guinea. I mean, <laughs> well, they're, they're, it's really backwards. I mean, I'll get, I'll get slapped for that, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, but uh, this, this doesn't um, have any of those, those built-in secrets like that. It's just coffee, right? It, yep, it is just premium, you know, specialty-grade coffee. Yeah, so it's, like you said, it's, you know, there's no additives, and unlike other forms of like instant coffee, for example, which sometimes people compare us to, there's just really no comparison. This is really freshly ground real coffee that you brew in a tea bag. And um, yeah, it's the real thing. So really excited to be here talking about it. Now people, people, people in New Orleans are, are very crazy about their particular style of coffee which is both coffee and chicory mixed together. Uh, have, have, you, have you thought about experimenting with something like that? Yeah, we have actually, we have a pretty interesting pipeline, you know, when you, uh, innovation pipeline. So I think we have a lot of ideas about how to expand our product portfolio. Um, so, yeah, I would say lots, lots of interesting things in the works from an innovation perspective. Um, so have some exciting things down the pipeline. And then I think the other interesting thing that we do as a company is 
we have our own, you know, we have steeped coffee, which is, you know, our coffee, but then the brewing method, which is in these, this proprietary method of brewing coffee similarly to tea, we actually license that technology to oh. other roasters. Yeah, so there are about 450 specialty coffee roasters across the globe who license our technology. Really? Um, yes, who use our kind of proprietary method to put their specialty coffee in single-serve steeped packs. And we're, we're really dedicated to highlighting those relationships. So we've got partnerships with household names like Mr. Espresso, La Cologne, Black and Bold, and then a lot of like up-and-coming specialty roasters. So I think as we progress into this new year, we're really going to be focusing also our efforts on highlighting those other roasters, featuring their specialty roasts, again, with this overall goal of making specialty coffee more accessible to the average consumer and also making it more sustainable, giving uh, people a commercially compostable uh, method or format for enjoying single-serve coffee. So, again, they're not inputting, you know, pods and plastics and waste back into the Yeah, that was, that was a big downside to that whole single-serve <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've uh, actually segued into something that I was just going to ask you about. Is I, I found it unusual that that you could have a single product, uh, a company founded on a single product yeah. like that. <laughs> but yeah. you're not. You, you have all no. kinds of other things. We have what, other what, things in the works, and then also, yeah, through our partnerships with other. Yeah, it's fairly like within when you combine kind of our focus on the environment with this unique brewing method, it, yeah, it opens up other opportunities, like, again, partnering with other coffee companies. So, again, we're really getting the format out there and giving people an alternative to some of the um, more environmentally unfriendly ways to enjoy single serve and really kind of opening that platform up to, to a lot of different roasters. So that's what we're really excited about. Now, what what do, what does Starbucks what does Starbucks think about your coffee? <laughs> oh, 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 would you prefer not to use those words? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're you know, here's the thing. Like, I think it's interesting because we're all about you know, we want companies to take a sustainable choice. So we're a little bit agnostic in terms of who we would partner with, right? Because if somebody wants yeah. to leverage our technology, like that's a great choice that they're making. So I would say, you know, we'll be very mindful about who we feature because we're a specialty coffee company and we want to uplift other specialty coffee companies with similar missions, similar ethos. But to the point that other companies might want to leverage our technology to offer a single-serve version of their coffee, I think we'd always be open to those conversations because that's one more sustainable option that, you know, consumers have. Now, how do people lay hands on this product? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot, actually a lot of different ways. We are small but very mighty with our distribution footprint. Um, we're available for sale on our website, steepedcoffee.com. Also, uh, we are on Amazon, um, and you can get, you know, within the U.S., free prime delivery. And then we're also available at thousands of kind of U.S. supermarkets, um, hotels, um, offices. So there's a lot of different um, a lot of different ways to find steep coffee, probably the easiest online and on Amazon. Well, I'll be darned. So, yeah. I mean, what kind of feedback do you get from your customers, your coffee drinkers? Yeah, so we get a lot of different feedback. I think the first is always comes back to how amazing the coffee tastes. Yes. I think <laughs> the second piece of feedback, is, which, you know, that's always good to hear because as a coffee company, that's your number one goal is to deliver yeah, exactly. really great tasting coffee. I think number two is people really enjoy how portable the coffee is. So 
they've kind of said goodbye to, you know, bad hotel coffee and just their ability to throw a couple of steep packs when you're going on a business trip or let's say you're going camping for the weekend. It's just a really easy way to just ensure that you always have great coffee. And then the third piece is we just we do hear a lot of appreciation for our commitment to the environment oh, yeah. and sustainability. Yeah, so those are probably the three things we hear most often, and we're um, just so grateful to all of our very loyal, loyal customers. Um, they've, you know, I, without them, we wouldn't be here. So we've got a very kind of like loyal group of customers who have been recommending us to their friends and family, and it's really our company has grown a lot just through word of mouth. Well, I mean, there, it has to have a really huge educational, experiential um, component here because nobody would believe it. <laughs> I didn't, I know. So you have your That's, job cut off for you, I guess. For sure. That is definitely one of the main challenges is, yeah, how do you kind of, uh, yeah, get people to experience it, sample it for themselves, and then really realize that it is truly a great cup of coffee. Yeah, that is that. Therein lies the marketing challenge for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm very happy to be um, happily pleased with the result, um, which I was the original doubter of it. And so, congratulations uh, to your company and and uh, and keep up the good work, Katie. Um, Thank listeners, you. again, it's steeped coffee and look for it you won't believe how simple it all is and how good the coffee tastes so okay and continued success and and expansion katie thank you for talking to us thank you so much for having me it's been such a pleasure to be here today Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Yes, we're talking to Kevin Sherman um, of, of this beverage company called Tractor Beverage. First off the bat, uh, tell me, Kevin, what's with the name? Sure. So the company was founded by three individuals, um, Justin Schneer, Griffin Barkley, and Travis Potter. Travis is a farmer by trade, um, and he is the formulator of the beverages. And being a farmer, he thought that the most universal kind of icon that everyone recognizes globally is a tractor. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Being, yep, and being that our beverages are organic and non-GMO, um, he thought, you know, representing the brand with the tractor being farmer-founded would probably be the most, um, you know, ideal name for the company. So it is very differentiated in the, in the entire beverage space. Let me take you in a slightly different direction because one of the interesting things about tractors is they come they come in a relatively small number of different colors. <laughs> and the, the, the colors are rather significant. So, so for example, right. I, can, I can tell you that worldwide, including my native land, blue tractors are from Ford. That's correct. And red tractors are... Most, mostly from Canada, although the, there is a company which makes tractors that my cousin used to work for in, in Huddersfield in England, which is which David Brown tractors. And David Brown tractors are also red. I didn't know that. that. You know, it's, it's funny, Peter, because I put myself through college working on my uncle's farm in New Jersey. And when you said... A blue Ford tractor. I just had a flashback of starting early in the morning on an old blue Ford tractor in a red Massey Ferguson tractor. There you go. So now we, I, we, forgot, we, we forgot. We forgot the last one, which is a green tractor, which is John Deere. That's oh, that's correct. John Deere. Yeah. I never knew that. See, I learned something every day with you, Abbott. <laughs> there you go. So with, let's let's talk about tractor beverage. Um, Kevin, you you 
where, how did you get into this beverage business? It's a, it's probably sure. one of the the tightest niches in the whole food industry is beverages, huh? It is, and and we are specifically in food service, so we are not in the ready-to-drink business, which is mainly cans and bottles that you would find at uh-huh. you know supermarkets and retailers. We're in that we're in the food service, so think of restaurant chains, um, think of college and universities. So we're in a in a real interesting niche, and I say that only because it was even more difficult to penetrate in food service. Um, but just to answer your question directly, my background, and I'll just be brief on this, but it kind of ties into how I got into this. Um, you know, I started off in the business world, and then I went off, uh, left the business world for some time, and I became a, a, an educator, an urban educator, in, um, in, in working in various places from the Apache Indian Reservation in New Mexico. Then I went to South Central Los Angeles um, as a teacher and then a principal in um, South Central and in um, Los Angeles, and then I spent my summers in um, in Africa building teacher training programs for for young women specifically. Um, Are you a saint? I, went, I mean, you took the toughest sectors of the industry. Yeah. Well, you know, and and then I went back into the business world, and then I I did do a couple of other jobs, and then I got into the beverage space. Um, but what was interesting about Tractor was I was one of the um, original kind of board members when the three founders were um, forming the company, and they asked me just to kind of come in and assist and advise um, them as they were building the company out. Um, and what intrigued me the most was really their their mission, which was very clear, their North Star, I should say, was basically to remove harmful chemicals from the food supply chain, hence the organic and non-GMO take on, on tractor beverages. And what, what really appealed to me with the company was, obviously with my education background and, and working in um, really in, in difficult areas of the country that didn't have access to, to you know, organic foods, it, it always just kind of plagued me. I was always amazed at how you would go to some of these supermarkets in some of these urban areas and they just didn't have the same quality that if you were to drive 10 right. miles up the road to Santa Monica or something, you know, you, there'd be a Whole Foods or there would be an area. So for me, the reason why I was very intrigued by the company and what the founder's mission was, was that I believe so much in just this idea of democratizing organic, that um, all people deserve organic. It shouldn't just be for, you know, the people of means or the affluent, which, you know, long ago that was the case because it was so expensive. Um, My thing was just how do we bring organic beverages to the masses? All people deserve organic. Um, So that's where we came up with this kind of, you know, this this push on just democratizing organic. But, yeah, I got into the company and I I just I I loved what the founders were doing. I I believed in their mission and I said, you know, I'm going to lean my shoulder in and really get behind this and and work with them in developing a, um, a disruptive company in food service. Well, you did that, and boy, what fun Peter's been having. He's been doing the, the mix up of all this. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm going be beyond the, the simple things you just described, because we, we read somewhere, sweeter, what, what's that beverage called that the, that the farmers used to use? I always forget. I don't know uh, what you mean. The, oh, the, you're talking about the vinegar stuff. With the vinegar. Apple cider vinegar. Well, the, 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 the shrubs. Yeah, shrubs in particular. Oh, yep. And so, haymakers so, were a name for them that the farmers used to create. Right. So so I I use your beverage as, as the sweetener in shrubs. So I make, Is I that make right? My, I make my own shrubs, and I, I add – so I start with your product. Then, then, then I add the vinegar. Then, then I add the sparkling water, and stir it all up, and that's how I create my drink. Now I'm that sure sounds that sounds like a probably, delicious probably, elixir. That's probably not something I should be telling you about. <laughs> no, that sounds like um, a delicious elixir. And, and let me know if you'd like to come to work for Tractor as a formulator. <laughs> no, I, I did. I, I did have an interesting question. And I, and yes. I, and I don't. I, I don't want. I, don't, I have to be careful here, 
not not to not not to be insulting, but I I don't quite understand why the necessity for having those super duper elegant containers that have the sparkling water in them. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I am not sure. We are not in the in the sparkling water business, um, so I'm I'm really not sure why they they choose that container. Our, our product okay, right. is. Yeah, we're we're not we're not in any of of any you know containers that are are fancy. In fact, we come in a super concentrated, you know what we call a combi block that is a a septic shelf stable for two years. Um, but we don't have any fancy packaging. We're we pretty much rely just on the packaging and not a lot of the marketing savvy behind the packaging itself. Well, now then, how 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 come the kit you sent us had had those very very super elegant stainless steel on the outside. Oh yeah, those 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 were for the sampling kit for you to try, but we don't put oh, okay. those out there for public use. Yeah. Oh okay, so 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 they were they, they were ju- they were just f- for us. So, for you, so yeah, we, just so to, to try the products. So we'd be suitably impressed with the elegance of your product, <laughs> which 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 we were, by the way. But, oh, that's. Good to but hear it did, that. It, it, did, it did seem to me that uh, Whole, Whole Foods Italian sparkling water would probably be more suitable, at least more economical. <laughs> yes. But yeah, but remember what the market is doing. He's not doing the individual um, you know, private consumer stuff. Right. So that makes a difference. Um, the, was, the, the, flavor, the, flavor, the flavors are, are amazingly varied. And, and, and in themselves, super elegant. Why, why don't you run down some of those for our listeners so, so they understand the taste sensation that they'll be able to get from Taylor's sodas? Sure. So we have, yep, we have, um, again, our, our formulator and founder, Travis Potter, um, he, he really has an exceptional palate. And his, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. And, you know, one of the things that was really important to him was um, in the food service industry. So think of, you know, all the way back as long as I can remember, um, we've we've only had pretty much a limited amount of choice when it comes to beverages and restaurants. Right. It's usually a Coke offering or it's a Pepsi offering. And there really isn't a lot of variety in flavors. And. We believe that food um, can be complemented complemented by by the beverages. And one of the things that Travis was intent on was saying, you know, we should make beverages that really are not only differentiated in ingredients but in in flavor profiles. So we have a soda platform. So we have an organic craft soda platform. So we have sodas such as cucumber and coconut and lemongrass and cherry cream and root beer. And in his root beer, he uses, you know, over 10, 10 types of roots and herbs to make his root beer. So it's, it's, it's very craft. And then we have um, a line of what we call our agua frescas. And there's flavors like hibiscus, um, mandarin cardamom. Um, yeah, I mean, that's exceptional. <laughs> yep, we have berry patch, and we have strawberry dragon fruit. We have a limeade, um, you know, a mango, a peach. So it was to really create variety because the big thing is is that depending on what food you eat, we believe that you know beverages can actually complement the the meal offering. So he was really, really intent on saying we shouldn't just have just basic flavors, but we should be bringing out the flavors in the food. And that's where we've seen a lot of, um, you know, a lot of feedback from the chefs and the head of culinary of these restaurants that they, they just love the fact that we have so much to offer in flavor. Uh, especially now that uh, <clears throat> there's this big no non-alcoholic trend. I mean, the, we've been to a non-alcoholic a tasting menu dinners. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, it's it's on the rise. I mean that mm-hmm. and that sort. Of thing. I mean, there's so much going on in that. There are a whole um, beverage stores in, in Manhattan that do all these fancy flavors, and it's all non-alcoholic. So interesting. 
Some people call them temperance cocktails. Yep. That's very temperance, yeah. We, you know, speaking of um, just the, the, well, what I was going to say is that what we do have, too, is which is interesting on the alcohol. We are not an alcohol company, obviously, but we've had some mixologists, you know, especially here in Denver's uh, a big mixology hub. And people have actually taken our, our concentrates and our bases and they've mixed it with alcohol to kind of create this all-natural cocktail, which has been a whole other oh, nice. area that we haven't really – spent a lot of time in, but we do believe that there's some promise there, you know, in the future. We're not focused on that right now, but what's been interesting is that just the bases, because they are so flavorful, um, when you do add them to, whether it's a rum or a tequila or a bourbon um, or even a vodka for that um, matter, they, they just taste incredible. Um, and I say that only because I think we do have we do have some some legs there that we just have not explored. But hearing from different bartenders and mixologists that are saying, "Hey, you know, we mix this with with this alcohol, that it makes an incredible all natural cocktail." So, um, not to get off uh, off on a tangent there, but we do believe that there's some opportunities um, there in the future. I don't think it's a tangent at all. I think I think it's a, sounds sounds to me like a very smart approach. And what you know, you haven't described yet. I mean, what what does your product actually consist of? And then you mix sure. it. Yeah, do do that run through. Yep. So it's a it's a what we call a super concentrate. So it is a concentrated product that what what the restaurant owners love the most about Tractor and is that it's a very simple process. Because it goes into these, um, these bubbler machines, all you basically do is add the combi block and just add water, and that is it. There's really nothing um, that is complicated with the ingredient. But, like, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when you start looking at things like, um, you know, or our organic blackberry drink that we have, uh, ingredients are very clean, right? Organic non-GMO, it's blackberry, apple cider, vinegar, and cinnamon. Um, that's the ingredients pretty much. Um, so when Travis was developing these, he was always thinking about trying to keep, you know, a very simple um, ingredient profile but also just making sure you just add enough ingredients, other ingredients in there to give it a little bit of a different tone, a little bit different taste. And, and I think one of the big ones that we've, we've, you know, we hear an awful lot about, I don't know if you've uh, had it yet, but, you know, our mandarin cardamom um, has been something that's, that's been so interesting. <laughs> I would have never imagined. Yeah. <laughs> you would never think about adding cardamom to, no. you know, mandarin, yeah. but it, it just adds a completely different profile to the flavor. But that's again where, you know, Travis is, I think is just exceptional is that he is, um, you, you, if you go to his home, it's, it's amazing because his spice cabinet is literally 10 feet by 10 feet. And he's always <laughs> just trying to find out new ways to add unique ingredients um, to make the beverages, um, you know, unlike any other that are out there, especially in food service. It's like it's like a screwdriver, like like a screwdriver on toast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, you, you know, um, you, you know, you know uh, what goes in. You know what goes in a screwdriver, right? Oh yes, I do. It's vodka, vodka and orange juice. Yeah, that's right. Now, you um, you say in some of your literature um, that they you're preparing for a, a setting the stage for a big 2023 shakeup. What does that mean? Sure. Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. Um, so, I I alluded to earlier the idea that, you know, food service by and large, when you think of the food service beverage category, um, it's really never been disrupted. I think that there is a lot of disruption in the ready to drink space. I mean, you speaking of sparkling waters, there's probably 10 or 15 different brands of sparkling water. There's, you know, numerous coconut waters. There's different types of teas. And in the ready-to-drink, there's a lot of disruption. You can go to a Whole Foods. You can go to a supermarket chain, and you can find, you know, 10 different 
um, brands of basically the same beverage. But in the, in the food service space, that space has never been disrupted because it's been dominated so much by, you know, the big, large soda companies. Yeah. And what, what we're doing is we are just providing choice. And I think that's a really important um, term here is that we are not against soda. We are not against, you know, people that choose to drink a soda with their food. But what we do know is that the younger generation, and we have a lot of data on this, especially the generation, you know, Y and Z, they have become label readers, and they are looking for options outside of just, um, you know, carbonated soft drinks. They're looking for, you know, brands with mission and brands with purpose. Um, and what's happening in a lot of these restaurant chains is that they are losing revenue opportunities to the water cup, which you have the younger generation just is not as apt to just drink, um, you know, soda anymore. And they're looking for something else. But the problem is that there isn't a lot of opportunity. There isn't a lot of choice there. So they go to a water cup. Well, that has a direct effect on the economics of the restaurant owner now that they are now losing that incremental revenue yeah. on beverages to a water cup. So what we're saying is let's just offer the consumer choice. And more importantly, what I say is that the restaurant owners, they need, they need, they need this choice. They need to not lose out to the, the, the no revenue of a water cup. And the consumer has a desire for something different than what they have only seen for, you know, gosh, I, I go back to the 70s and the 80s. Like it's just never been disrupted. So we're filling a need and we're filling a desire, the need of the restaurant owner and the desire of the consumer to just provide choice. And I think when we talk about 2023, you know, we're talking with a lot of, you know, large customers and opportunities there that they're kind of scratching their head and they're saying, you know what? Um, and, and by the way, Tractor, we have no intent to, you know, go into a place and say, um, we're asking you to remove um, you know, soda, we're just saying, let the consumer decide, just give them the choice. If some want to choose soda, let them have soda. But let's just make sure that they have the ability to have a choice of an organic and a non GMO beverage option. Um, so a lot of a lot of, you know, owners are just waking up to that and saying, wow, you know, thank you for that. Because, um, you know, with margins, and you know this, because you guys, this is your, your podcast with food, you, you see a lot of restaurant owners under under a lot of pressure with food margins and protein margins. Oh, so it's terrible. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's terrible. terrible. And, and this is where beverages, beverages matter, right? So that incremental ring on beverage sales becomes really important. And to lose out to a water cup um, has a titanic effect long-term if you're just losing out on beverage sales. So our thing is just to provide them with an opportunity not to lose out. Yeah. Let's let's make sure we we don't close without telling people where where they can hook up with you guys. So t tell us about distribution to the to the individual or or to the restaurant there or to the food chain or whatever. Sure. So you know we're we're in a number of um, restaurant chains. I mean our our biggest um, account that kind of launched the brand and we were very grateful was um, Chipotle. Um, so Chipotle has over 3,000 locations across the United States. Um, you know, they were an amazing partner to launch with because um, I can speak knowing them, their, their executive leadership team. They are just so strong on the concept of food with integrity. And I think what they found with Tractor was a beverage company with integrity. So it was a really great, um, it was a great partnership. And that really helped catapult the brand. Um, since then, you know, obviously, and we launched with Chipotle just about three years ago. Since then, we have launched in a number of other, you know, restaurants and restaurant chains. We're in a bunch of college universities. We're in a lot of corporate B&I accounts. Um, and other interesting one that's really just starting to come up are, um, you know, large hospital systems that, you know, you start thinking of the dietitians and they're, they're almost these, they're, well, they are, they're these enormous campuses and they have to care about, you know, what their offerings are even in the hospital cafeterias and everything. So we're starting to see a lot of, 
opportunity there. But the brand is really growing very quickly. We are getting a lot of um, opportunities, and, and we believe you know, 2023 is going to afford us with just even more opportunity than we've ever imagined, simply because of the concept of just offering that choice, just opening that up to the restaurant owners. You know, one of the things I've noticed with the, the, the various food um, producers is in different segments of the, of the industry is collaborations. I mean, you, your company seems the natural for that. Yes. That's a great, that's a great point. And something that we, we do engage with, you know, some of our, our larger customers, because again, it, it has to make sense economically if we can develop a specific flavor profile for a specific, you know, chain or location. It gets difficult only when it doesn't make sense on, you know, the scalability of purchasing the ingredients. But at the same time, um, a perfect example of that would be what we did at Chipotle for the summer, which was you know unique to them, which was a watermelon limeade. So it was a collaboration working with their culinary team. Once again, what is going to pair best with their food? So when we go into an account, one of the very first things we try to do is try to meet with the culinary team and ask them, what is going to be best for you? And this is, a, this is another thing just kind of in the industry that I think is very different. We're putting the customer before all things. We're not going in there and saying, we know this is going to be best for you. We're asking the question, what do you need, right? What, what's going to best serve your customer? Let's look at your, proof, your, your, your food profile, your ingredient profile, and let's see if we have something that can elevate your offering. So it is a very collaborative approach. We really do love our conversations with culinary. We learn a lot from them. But, you know, including them into the discussion is much different than just simply going in there with a portfolio option and saying, we know this is going to work, rather than asking the question, what do you, what do you, what do you need? What's going to help you sell more beverages? Well, you know, I mean, your customers have this, other singular advantages that your company is directed very intelligently. <laughs> it's so, such a pleasure <laughs> to, well, to talk to you with, I mean, and, and get this sense that, that, that there's some kind of concept developed and a mature concept that, uh, that welcomes all kinds of uh, input. You know what I mean? <laughs> Instead of some of this, we run into a lot of gimmick stuff. No. Well, you know, and, I, and I, again, I don't want to get tangential, but, you know, I think a lot of it stems from, you know, one's just kind of overall attitude and connecting that to kind of the overall gratitude. A, we're very grateful that we're able to, you know, work in an industry um, that really, I think, is ripe for change, but more importantly, you know, work for a company that we really do put the customer before our needs. And I think that that is just something that, unfortunately, nowadays, with just business in general, it's all about me, my, and I, where we're kind of going at it, well, what do you need? What's going to be best for you? What's going to be best for your customer? And, you know, we, we do that even with our, um, with, with our employees and our company. Something that we've just recently done was, you know, we, we've turned Tractor into an employee-owned company, meaning that every employee in the company, you know, owns a part of Tractor. So they're not just working for Tractor, but they are owners of the company. And this was right. something that, you know, the founders and, and the leadership team, we felt very strongly about because if we're going to disrupt and we're going to you know, really change the whole narrative of food service beverages. Um, we felt that, you know, they need to feel like they're not only just a part by working for the company, but they're an owner of the company. But there's got to be a lot of pride in that. So, again, not to get tangential, but, you know, I, I just really believe that, you know, there there is a way to be very successful in business and at the same time, um, you know, put people first, you know, and, and really lead with gratitude and um, not selfishness. Listen, listeners, listeners, I, I, I got to say one thing before we go. This man's best friend graduated from Oxford University. 
He's um, he's he's much more intelligent than I am, and I've learned an awful lot. I was a philosophy major. He got his PhD in philosophy, so we're always getting off on the philosophical tangents of life, and um, and even sometimes with me as a being a philosophy major and, and now being the CEO of a beverage company, I always have to reel myself in. But when I saw that you were from Cambridge, I said, you know what? If someone's going to appreciate an elevated conversation, it's going to be Peter. <laughs> The the, the, uh, the, the what your your friend probably graduated in in PPE politics That's philosophy and something or other yeah PPE yeah. he was a PhD in philosophy <laughs> okay well yeah. I again listeners I can't uh, recommend more than than I have been a tractor beverage and uh, it's very enlightened um, leadership as we've been talking with Kevin Sherman uh, Kevin um, I, I hope your your, your 2023 20, rollout is very successful and uh, and I really look forward to seeing where the company goes and all the accolades you're getting are certainly well-deserved because, uh, well, we're, we're having a lot of fun with the products as well. Well, Ann and Peter, just thank you for allowing me to participate on your podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope at the very least every now and then we just can keep in touch with one another. It's been a real pleasure. I listened to some of your other podcasts. They were very enlightening, and um, just thank you for your time, and happy holidays and safe travels. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> Ciao, and good luck in the new year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.